interruptions, stereos pumping from the dungeon, coming live from Flatbush Junction and making it hard to function, breaking down your sound systems and governmental corruption, so step aside pumpkin, quit jumping to assumptions, the illest cats to ever rap, we spitting crack on beats and crap, probations, Nathan, I make that up for simple tracks, you resist the fact that we're about to bring it back, then spring in action, right until your motherfucking pencils crack. I'm hair on night, I wanna hear it, then embarrass it Hair on sight, and don't expect to be saved without a heroin sight Cause my microphone is hotter than the heroin pipe Something like the finest pit, maybe even some white to sniff It ain't a catnap, but I'm sure it have you lying stiff Try it kids, bike it into Flintstones vitamins Get stoned and get home and lie about your righteousness Nah, I'm serious in fact, I seen God today. We had a deep discussion over Marvin Gaye. I've never gone on a podcast before. I've been invited on them before to talk about like dumb shit, but mostly Fox News people that I have received nudes from, which I don't know if I have enough content to talk about. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like insults is a pretty a pretty good topic to get in a deep dive on. Well, yeah. I think it's a great topic, right? I've been looking for someone to come on and sort of explain it to me because that's kind of the premise of the show. Like, I don't know everything. Uh, I don't pretend <laughs> to. I'm actually kind of a huge dumbass. But I really, <laughs> I like, I enjoy having people who are mired in any sort of like subculture or expertise or field to kind of come and talk about it with me and maybe hash out some of the finer points about it. But from what I know to be true about incels, and I have a very sort of sort of surface vulgar analysis of them, and hopefully we'll get better as we talk about them, is that they seem to lie at this weird intersection of like men's rights activist and like alt-right uh, and with a little, or, I mean, or maybe not alt-right is not the right word, but like anti-SJW reactionary. Uh, and they seem to like combine all the worst qualities of both of those groups, which I find to be very fascinating because I'm just generally interested in subcultures and like weird fringe populations online. And they have so many different like weird variations about, you know, to them with different names, like almost like Evie. Like they're the, they're, they're like the, uh, the, oh, yeah. I guess, equivalent of the pokemon eevee with all of its evolutions and so that i find that part to be incredibly just like fascinating because they have so many different reasons for why they are involuntarily celibate which is of course what incel stands for that like it borders on absurd but it's interesting that it has this kind of fringe sciencey conspiracy theory aspect to it but i guess we should start with the beginning right so you know, what is an incel so um, I spent a lot of time yesterday trying to find like the most commonly agreed upon definitions of these sorts of things because I have an idea of what they mean, but I, I definitely don't want to misrepresent the incel community. So uh, the now defunct subreddit r slash incels defined an incel as someone who is at least 21 years of age and has gone more than six months without a date or without physical contact with a sexual partner. And most incels, at least in like the online manosphere, would agree that a woman cannot be incel because women always hold more sexual marketplace power and there will always be a man desperate enough to have sex with her. And so they call these sort of female incels femcels, but they're mythical, I guess. Um, they only exist in the mind of the manosphere incels because their standards are too high and they only want to have sex with chads, but not men who are their looks match, which is an incel term to describe like if you're a five out of 10, then in an ideal egalitarian world, you would date someone else who's a five out of 10. Um, so a female too can snag a man who is a six or a seven for sex, but a male too is out of luck. And that's because his looks match is sleeping with hotter men. 
and again, all of this is really fascinating, uh, mostly just because like these men have the same view of women. Like they, they think that all these women are like pining after hotter guys and they're not gonna, they're not gonna go for, uh, the men that are like in their league or whatever, but that's pretty much the whole, uh, the whole, the whole deal with incels as a whole is that they're like pining after like these 10 out of 10, like blonde bombshells and like really frustrated that they won't, won't date, um, people that aren't like muscular chads or whatever. Um, but at the same, I don't know, it's just really hypocritical, but they're not really known for uh, being consistent about that sort of thing. I mean, they sound like they lack self-reflection, like despite thinking about themselves a lot, which I guess is, you know, people who tend to have that level of insecurity tend to fall into like a pattern of negative narcissism where they think a lot about oh, yeah. themselves, but they don't necessarily like critique themselves in a healthy or uh, valid way. But I think that the idea of looks is so, well, first of all, I want to say I love I love the slang. That's one of my favorite aspects about that's one of my favorite aspects about any kind of subculture or population. It's like the slang developed to sort of separate themselves into in-group, out-group. It's like, you know, there's the incels and there's the Chad, which is where I take my name from. I think it's hilarious. Uh, and, and yet, you know, the looks match concept to me speaks to, again, I want to say a fringe understanding of I guess you'd call it evolutionary biology, right? This idea of like in sexual selection that women, that females of the species have a greater ability to decide who they mate with than men do. And so men are forced to compete with one another in of females. But of course, it, for me, in my own sort of like, my first question is like, but isn't attraction based on more than just looks? But apparently to incels, it's not because you might just say, even if we fall into their own category of categorization or like metric, right? You might be a five out of 10 kind of person, but be like rich or be like incredibly funny or be incredibly, I don't know, well endowed or, you know, just be a generally, you know, good person to be around or be really smart and that might sort of bump you up within their metric but it seems that they focus a lot on looks specifically oh yeah well they have a this is something i did take I do note wanna, on i just want to apologize a, for forcing uh, you to go through like to delve deeply into this sort of community just <laughs> no you know what i i mean my at on twitter is coincel pro this is uh, something I have adopted for myself, even though it's very morbid. I find it very interesting, though, um, just because I, I find a lot of these people to be somewhat relatable in some ways, but they have really sort of outsourced a lot of their self-hatred and they're trying to apply it to like these these concepts that I don't know, it doesn't really work all that much. But I what I was going to say, though, is that um, they have a an acronym LMS, which stands for looks, money and status, which is uh, a term that's used like all throughout the manosphere online, um, which basically just states that the only thing that women want are looks, money and status. Um, so that personality uh, or like, I don't know, like sense of self or anything like that, like those aren't as important to people um, as long as you look all right and have enough money. I don't really know anyone though for whom that's true, but again, like they have a lot of delusions that they have sort of picked up on by never 
logging off. But never logging off. I will say uh, Looks Money Status is a very popular follow-up to the the lock song, Money, Power, Respect, that I <laughs> I will be putting in the the intro or outro of this episode because now it's stuck in my head. Uh, the locks, locks a great group. Uh, anyway, but no, I think that like really that's so fascinating because a part of that is just them positioning themselves as having good qualities that they don't necessarily think that women appreciate versus them like not having those good qualities anyway right like say okay i i want to i don't want to i'll back up a little bit i think that the incel at least if you're being sort of a you know abstract is a tragic figure or can be portrayed as a tragic figure right somebody who ostensibly wants human affection right you know it's it's often sort of reduced to sex but you know theoretically you could say what they want is a partner they want somebody to come home with they want someone to go on dates with they want somebody to like of course diddle a little bit but literally but they're looking for intimacy right they have a, they have a and given that our society right now is struggling with sort of an epidemic of loneliness where people by nature of capitalism feel incredibly alienated from one another. They live a nomadic life. They're moving from their hometown. They're moving from to go to college, to go work in Silicon Valley, whatever, and creating this sort of vacuum in their lives where they don't have these meaningful connections. It's easy to sort of look at incels as kind of an example of that or look at sort of involuntary, involuntary, sorry, involuntary celibacy as a part of that phenomenon and, in, and therefore incels is part of that phenomenon. But it seems like you said, you know, or rather from my vague understanding of them, that like they have a lot more problems than simply not being attractive enough. And it speaks to like, you know, never logging off is one of them. But I think when you look at the community they exist within, they're incredibly misogynistic, right? You know, so like it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt when the reason that something like our incel was shut, was shut down was because of basically misogynist terroristic threats. Yes, exactly. And I, I want to go back to something you said earlier about how like neoliberalism is like crushingly lonely. That was kind of something that Ross Douthit touched on in his uh, op-ed piece for the New York Times about redistributing sex. Um, basically saying it, he takes some like good premises actually that like, I, I don't want to blame this all on sexual liberation and feminism, but that these sorts of things led to a deregulation of the sexual marketplace, um, which leads to the conventionally attractive holding a disproportionate share of having sex. But again, I don't really think that that premise is true in any way. And I mean, like mostly the this is anecdotal, but I know a lot of people. I grew up in a small town. I know a lot of people that I went to high school with and I'm still friends with on Facebook who aren't, I don't want to say trashy, but like they'll tag each other in their statuses about like calling each other out for like sleeping with their boyfriends or whatever. And these people are primarily hideous. And it, it blows my mind because they have more sex in a month than I'll probably have in a year. So I, I don't really know what world these people are living in unless all they ever look at is like reality television or like Instagram where they see all these like beautiful people that are like posting photos with each other. Because if you just like log on to Facebook or something, like you'll you'll see that that's not really the case. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, I know what, what dot that article, I don't know what else his name, uh, you're referring, I know what Ark you're referring to. I actually wrote about it for the, uh, the, written, the written portion of this particular podcast. Um, and I think that his... Well, first of all, he's a trad cat piece of trash um, in my in my own. Yeah. And oh, yeah. so like the premise of his article is essentially that we have to have enforced monogamy. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk about the incel phenomenon, because that like that, you know, that train of thought became relatively prominent amongst relatively. Um, what would you call it? Like 
again, I, I were prominent a lot, really, like relatively prominent, like right wing writers were mulling over the idea of like, we have to have enforced monogamy to counteract, you know, this incel phenomenon. And I, like I said, I think it's easy to sort of look at the incel phenomenon at, take it at its face value as like a, this is an example that of a fact that our society is more divor- divided and more alienated from each other than ever. And like our social bonds are breaking down. And like, I think that right there is a good analysis of where we are. The problem with, like you said, with Ross Duthat's, you know, article and that being a reactionary piece of trash is that like he equates, he, the reason why he said that's true is this sort of sexual liberation movement and the shifting dynamics of like society and social norms, which which is just code for like women no longer have to settle down and get married because they can go to college. Um, they're allowed, like you're allowed to seek, you know, redress for sexual harassment and rape. Um, black people, like interracial dating is more allowed than ever. Now abortions are legal. So m- women are not tied to the first person that gets them pregnant. And like, so at, a, at its core, like the argument he's making, it makes sense, right? There had, there have been shifting values. There have been shifting social values as the result of like the feminist movement, the civil rights movement uh the better representation of minorities on television you know i I look a little bit like childish gambino and god knows that's got me a little got me a little ass but you know i'm not gonna lie but like (laughs) people framing like like sort of the premise that you said sort of like the, the crux of that argument is that those are bad things and that the white male who traditionally relies on this sort of naturalized underclass of woman and black man and peers of color male or whatever to assuage their own sense of self-doubt is fucked up <clears throat> because that's like that's true and like in that, but like in, in essence like the real cause of the epidemic loneliness is capitalism you know it's neoliberalism it's this idea of like radical individuality uh that has led us to a point in which we feel alienated from one another and also from sexual partners so i i mean i think that it's 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 an analytical mistake to associate incels with that particular phenomenon of epidemic of loneliness, which I talked to another scholar about in the show, because it's just like, it's not the, like their loneliness, I think can be, you know, can be founded in widespread alienation, but their prescription for that is horrendous. No, I totally agree. And that was one of the things that I thought was a little odd about doubt. I mean, there was a lot of things that were wrong with that piece, but um, kind of that he he was talking about how we need to like steer millennials or like the youth back towards a ideal of like monogamy. I mean, I don't really know very many people for whom that isn't the ideal. Like I know plenty of people that are in like polyamorous relationships, I guess, but like, I, I mean... I feel like the biggest roadblock for people my age and like maybe a a couple years older than me are not having enough like financial stability to get married. Like it's more beneficial for you to just, just have a ton of roommates than to have than to get married. It's harder to buy a house. It's harder to buy or buy children to have children. It's it, people can't afford these sorts of things and it takes money and, uh, security that we just don't have. And again, yeah, that is a result of capitalism. But Douthat, of course, would not uh, approach it that way. But he, he also brings up a few other suggestions for how incels can kind of cure their loneliness. Uh, two of them are prostitutes and sex robots. And I you see like the whole like, why don't you just like visit a prostitute um, argument coming from people a lot. 
obviously like there's a lot of pushback especially from sex workers who say well you're just like pushing these like very violently misogynistic people onto a very vulnerable population already which i agree with uh but a lot of people uh, there isn't really as much pushback with the whole like sex robot thing which i find a little odd um I, I this might be a bit of a hot take. I do feel like sex robots in a way kind of bring about like the normal normalization of non-consent um, and male entitlement, which seems to be a reoccurring theme for incels in general. So like providing them robots is essentially like, I don't know, giving them the go ahead for like anthropomorphic sex slaves, uh, which only like reaffirms their own preconceived ideas about sex and power dynamics in general, which seems very dangerous because like so much of their ideology is just neuroses. But I, I have a lot more to say on that topic in particular. Well, I mean, well, I guess we'll get back to that topic. As far as the sexual robots go, I mean, I remember that part of the article. I will say this about the article as far as I remember it, because it was a while ago now that like it was it fell into that, that genre of op-ed where the point or thesis is hidden behind layers and layers of obfuscation because generally speaking dot that knows that his position is unpopular and so he tries to lead yeah. you there through a lot of other stupid ass avenues right he's like okay well why don't you follow me down the sex robot pier why don't you follow me down the sex worker pier and, but like the fault the logic is flawed of course for, you know for both the reason that you said and for the reason that hey you know what incels don't want um, intimacy or sex, right? They want to have power of women. Like they would, like they like did that. Mm-hmm. Would prefer a situation of enforced monogamy because, like, their ideal society is one where women are essentially reduced to chattel for the, you know, for the for for them to exercise their will onto. And I think that that's a sort of regressive ideology towards the place of women and people of color within our world that appeals to reactionaries. They don't like, they don't necessarily want to give it voice in their own pieces, but the idea that, you know, women should essentially exist as a function of their male partners is what that piece was getting at because you can't have enforced monogamy with consent, right? You can't, you can't, yes, that doesn't work, right? You, you can't have enforced monogamy yeah. with like entirely willing partners. Let's insult like a fucking date each other, which you know you would think would be a solution problem. That right? actually but, has been a solution for some of them. They have literally just become gay. Um, and I, I don't really even know. Them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, they kind of cure their whole like loneliness thing. I don't know if it's like their ideal. I would assume that there is probably some proportion of these people who are possibly closeted i think that there have been i I say studies very uh half-heartedly just because none of these are very scientific they have a lot of like faux scientific studies that go on but there have been i've seen like youtube videos and stuff of people saying i used to be an incel and then i found out i was gay so i don't know how common that phenomenon is but i was i was going to say though about the ross douthat piece i know that his whole premise was based off of this like libertarian professor who wrote a similar piece about why we need to just give people sex robots or prostitutes. And basically this libertarian professor's whole thing was that he was just trying to kind of like put up this like straw man argument against socialism, uh, trying to say like, look at how absurd this is. Um, Trying to suggest that like the government should redistribute sex or whatever, but Ross Douthat might've taken it literally or tried to build upon it. I mean, I don't really know. None of these people, 
I think that Ross Douthat maybe thought it was a good idea in some capacity. It's, it's always hard to know how dumb they are versus how like disingenuous they're being. Yeah. That's always the like that's always the balance when it comes to people because like the thing about reactionaries, and I think there's a lot of overlap between like you know sort of far right groups in the incel phenomenon, at least when it comes to sensibilities, is that they know their ideas aren't very popular, and so they're just trying to find new ways to launder them into conversations. And so like Ross did that, you know, a lot of your commentators, they, they, they take, you know, they take the sort of bipartisanship, why don't we listen to each other kind of shtick a little too far. You know, they, they, they do that weird thing, which I was talking about earlier, where like they appeal to epistemic fucking doubt. They go, well, can you really know anything? It's like, I don't know, dude. Like, can you? You tell me, can you can you ever know anything? Like, I guess there's no ever, there's never a way to find out if a crime took place 36 years ago. That's just like, you know, it's not like it's not like we fucking arrest Nazis in 2018 for for like their their crimes in World War yeah. Two. It's like that, you know, that, that never happens. But no, I mean, I think that I guess we should move a little bit on. Cause I, I want to talk a little bit about this uh, sort of like the incel, uh, the subgroups, right? Because like they they because they're funny, um, not. But also because I think they, they, they lend, you said, credence to this idea, like they have their own sort of weird internals, like sort of scientific folk knowledge, really. I, I, you know, I think that evolutionary biology is probably the closest you'd call to, like, you know, you could attribute it to. But really, they have a sort of folk knowledge that they've, that has arisen out of their community that is embodied by their little, um, I don't know, frame cell was one of them that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, so let's, let's go into that a little bit. Yes. Well, before I, I get into it, I just want to say I feel like evolutionary biology is a little generous. I, I think a lot of it is more akin to phrenology, maybe. Uh, but I'll get into that in a minute. So I, some of these like subgroups are pretty straightforward. Like we have bald cells, which are in cell because they're bald. And I guess women don't find bald men attractive, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because incels also believe that uh, the most attractive men to women are men that have high testosterone and men with high testosterone are typically balding. So again, like none of this is very consistent, but whatever. Then we also have short cells who are in cell because of their height and frame cells, as you mentioned, are in cell because they may be of like a slim stature or another one that I see commonly is like, you know how those people like have like a concave chest. It's like a, I don't, I don't remember what it's called exactly, but like the kind medical of- name for it. I don't remember. Yeah, so uh, some of these subgroups, though, are a little less straightforward. So we have wrist cells, which I would have thought would be the same thing as frame cell, but apparently it's not. You can be frame cell. No, you can be wrist cell, but not frame cell. So wrist cell is... Uh, I, I'm going to apologize to you for making you like sort of wrap your head around it. It, sounds like, it. it all sounds very sort of silly. The kind of stuff that you'd expect 16-year-olds to say about like, well, you know, what they think dating is like, but apparently it's been elevated to the point where it's being considered very heavily by mainstream thinkers. So please, like, explain to me the nuances between wrist cell and frame cell so I can just laugh. Yeah, for sure. So wrist cell, uh, these are incels that believe that they're small wrists, which uh, their, I guess, equation for this is circumference under 6.5 inches, uh, place them at a disadvantage in the sexual marketplace. So you can be wrist cell without being frame cell. And there are photos that they will post to prove it with uh, men who are very buff, but still have 
slim wrists and they their advice for wrist cell people is to just not even try to work out because you'll just look stupid but i mean you pointed out though that people that have like smaller joints tend to have like more success when they're working out because like the contrast is better something um yeah okay so i I will just address that quickly so one of the things about having smaller joints is that if you have smaller joints and a smaller waist uh your muscles look bigger um you know, you look less, you look more shapely and your muscles stand out in comparison. So having small wrists or small or small elbows or any sort of small joint is usually seen as the sign of a much more classic physique in bodybuilding. So I don't know where this is coming from <laughs> in terms of just like, like, I have small wrists. Like my wrists are like, I'm looking at them right now. They're pretty, uh, I can wrap my uh, thumb and middle finger around them and still have a little bit of room to like wiggle around. So I don't necessarily agree with that, but I'm not, I'm not the scientist, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, I have abnormally large hands for women, I'd say, and I have dated people. I've dated guys with hands smaller than mine. And I have to say, it's literally never been something I have thought about uh, before I've actually started dating someone. Like it's usually something I'll think about like maybe a couple weeks in and I'll think, oh wait, his hands are smaller than mine. That's kind of odd. But it's never something that goes into the equation when I'm trying to determine whether or not I'd want to go out with someone. But according to incels, it's like at the very top of I mean, women's minds. I'm, I'm willing to believe that incels date up to fisting. And so like, you know, if you're really, really interested in fisting, like it is something you think about, like wrist circumference and <laughs> fist size. I, you know, uh, so that is a possibility that I don't want to cross out. Like you say, you know, like they're neurotic. This is a lot about a lot about neuroses. Oh, yeah. Um, another another one that I came across a lot was skull cell. And this is kind of like the phrenology <laughs> shit. Yeah, I know. Um, so we have. You can curse. It's fine. Don't, 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 don't say to yourself. This is this is the discourse. <laughs> Um, so incels place a lot of importance on the attractiveness of one's face when it comes to the whole like looks, money, status or whatever. Uh, the face is definitely the most important aspect of the looks thing, just because it's something that's a lot harder to change than your body, I guess, obviously, because I mean, you can work out, but you can't really change your body unless you have like extensive plastic surgery, which is one of their solutions if you have an ugly face, but I'll get into that later. Um, so they have some equations to sort of like figure out whether or not you're attractive. Um, we have the facial width to height ratio. So how broad the face is in relation to its height. Uh, incels believe that this is something that women take into account when picking a mate because it implies dominance and fighting ability which i i I don't know again like i don't know who thinks of these things (laughs) (laughs) well i mean like listen if if you're going to fight someone in the bar like all men do right i've been told very recently that all men get into bar fights the first thing you do when you go up to like to your potential fight partner slash opponent is you like you you mac you uh you mac take in the scenario and you bring, you take out your calipers, you take out your fucking, um, I don't know what, what they call them compass with yeah. a little needle and the, the pin and you map their, their face to skull to fucking wrist ratio and determine whether they're going to be a partner who defeating can garner you some sort of social, uh, status or if beating them will not garner you social status and therefore you shouldn't fight them. So, you know, you got to be, you know, there's like, there's a complex relationship between who's worth dominating physically and who's not worth dominating physically that I can sort of understand being <laughs> play here. Well, there's, there's another one too. And I don't know, I know that the facial width to height ratio 
makes some sort of sense. Like, I feel like that has been used in the past in some, I don't know why people use this sort of thing, but there's one that they created on these forums called the mid face ratio. And this is like insane. It's the distance from the center of one's pupils to the middle of the lips divided by the distance between your eyes. And I don't know what it means, but (laughs) that was something I kept seeing over and over again. It's like your mid face ratio is lacking. Like you need to, uh, I don't know, like get Botox to like lift up your. That is bonkers, dude. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, so you asked. I have some insight into this, into like what like where this shit comes from. I guess. I guess you sort of asked like like who thinks about this sort of thing. Like a lot of this stuff kind of rings like rings familiar to me. Like when you learn about the sort of history of anthropomorphic measurements and how they were used. Like you said, phrenology is one example, but really, sort of like anthropomorphic metric measurements were used up until I want to say the 50s or so to try to determine like morality and social worth in people. So like a lot of people know about the um, like in bodybuilder, like in sort of like physical characteristics, like the ectomorph, mesomorph, um, shit, the other one, I always forget. They like the, the fat one. Um, uh, like body types, right? And like, oh, you know, you like you like you have yeah. you, like you have a tendency to be skinnier. You have a tendency to put on muscle easy. You have to, you know, you have a tendency to like to put on fat and muscle, you know, more easily. But what they don't know is what that came about was the result of a particular professor trying to find uh, sort of a causal relationship between body type in like social worth and morality. So basically, the word is like physiognomy is what people sort of. What, like, what that field of study, I guess, was not, not field of study was called, but what that phenomenon was called. This idea that you can sort of tell the social and moral worth of somebody based on certain physical characteristics. So, like, there, so there is a, a lot, a long genealogy to it. It's just weird that it's being recreated online by a bunch of virgins. Oh, yeah. Um, well, another thing, too, I mean, this kind of gets into the whole like phrenology thing is that incels also have like this bizarre race science uh, that is involved in their like calculations and it's again not very consistent because they believe that women are mostly attracted to white men um east asians and southeast asians are at the very bottom of their totem poles and they have like slurs for them i don't remember the one for east asians but i do know that curry cells i think is the one for indians and like pakistani men um But what's the most confusing to me, though, is that white men are kind of seen as like the most desirable, but they also simultaneously believe that black men are the most dominant, they're the most alpha, and they're stealing men's girlfriends. So again, I don't really know how both of those things can be true at the same time, but they are in the incel lore. Um, And kind of going off of that, though, I know you talked about like chads and everything. Yeah. (laughs) The lore. I like that. The the lore. (laughs) Well, the Chad uh, is the anti-incel. He is handsome, charming, funny, muscular, tall, and sexually successful. But there is a difference between Chad and uh, Tyrone, which I believe is the black version of that. There is also Chad Preet, I think, which is the East Asian version of that. I don't know. I I spent way too much time on this website. Um, And then they also have, I know you've heard of like Stacy's and Becky's. This is another thing that I I find very interesting though, is like Stacy is the archetype of a high value woman. She has sexy blonde hair, perfect makeup, big tits and ass. All men flock to her. And then Becky is an average woman who is probably the looks match of a beta male. Uh, But Becky's are not attractive to incels. They, even though they might be like a seven or an eight the incels only want the stacys i feel like i'm like speaking a different language right now 
I mean, you are. And I think that's one of the dangers when you're talking about subcultures or that as they exist online and offline, that you you run the risk when you spend too much time there of adopting the lexicon and the sort of speech patterns to the point at which you can no longer exist in the larger society and culture. You sound like you sound like an alien, right? It happens all the time. Like it's, oh, yeah. like it's not unique to the incel community. It's just funny because obviously it involves a lot more sort of conspiracy theory fringe science and most subcultures outside of like flat earth and you know race science does but like it, it, it's weird because there's obviously a, a sense of self-loathing there that they that they've projected onto women and people of color and you know the, the typical reactionary targets but they've also sort of the sad part they, they further alienated themselves when re, in reality what they probably need is like more offline friends who they can draw kind of i want to say self-esteem from like have being successful socially right because like they i mean i think they point to the lack correct me if i'm wrong they seem to point to the lack of success with women as examples of their sort of like the pinnacle or apex of their like lack of social success but i, I doubt that these people have lots of like platonic friends either and i don't just mean like friend zone like i've been friend zoned by you know stacy and becky but like i mean just platonic friends who they recognize are platonic friends in real life who they hang out with who they have a good time with Oh yeah. And, um, I, that was kind of one thing I took note of too, is that like a lot of incels think that, uh, commiserating with people online is therapeutic in some sense. But I mean, really like this entire community is just filled with people who hate each other because they remind each other of themselves. And so like going to an incel forum, and again, one thing that I don't really understand is that like, I feel like some people like start off on these sorts of forums, like thinking that maybe they'll get like advice on like how to get laid, but you're not going to get that on an incel forum. Uh, you'll just like discover like new flaws that you didn't know that you had. And you'll probably like become more hopeless and alienated from the rest of the world. And uh, one of the biggest issues though, and I know you kind of touched on this is that once you become like ingratiated in this sort of like community, it becomes so difficult for like anyone outside of it to sort of get to you. So of course they like definitely look down upon like normies. If you tell them that like their biggest issue is that they just like are online too much, they will make fun of you or call you a normie. Um, if you tell them that their biggest issue is just their neuroses or that they're like self-loathing or don't have enough like self-esteem, they'll make fun of you for that and tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. They just like adopt this like insane mindset um, that takes over like all common sense and like you said i mean like if you just like started seeing a therapist instead of seeing someone who or like a group of guys your age who told you how ugly you were you'd probably have a lot more success um but they they haven't really seemed to pick up on that well it's weird cause i don't like you said i don't think that i don't think that the incel community is one it's one of those communities that could only exist online because i don't think you could actually cultivate a friend group in real life that is entirely predicated on your your ability not to have sex there would have to be some kind of at least ostensible reason you get together like wait to play video games to like to watch anime you know to to like you know to build robots I, i'm like think of like the whole like the nerd stereotypes that you know people i assume incels would be fall into that sort of traditional geeky nerd group like but i don't think that you could have just a friend group in real life that is entirely 
predicated on we all can't get fucked and we all hate ourselves and we're going to make each other feel even worse. It's like a toxic codependency that I, that I don't think can ex- that like, can only exist because yeah. it's being mediated through online. Yeah, and they have they have this idea. It's called the go outside theory, which again is just like they they have like so much contempt for like people that tell them that like if you just like. I don't know, like stop complaining online all day and like do something else with your life. You might have like more success if instead of like thinking about like all the ways that the world has wronged you. But they, again, like think that that's just ridiculous, that that is like some sort of conspiracy or something. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the things that I definitely found like most striking. So I'll talk to you about something that you mentioned earlier, right? This idea that women can't be incels, like like incel them is, I hope that's a real word. It might be a real word. I don't know. Incel them is the domain entirely of sort of men, ostensibly white males, although there are obviously people of color in these communities. But I think that if you're going to reduce it to one kind of stereotype, it's like the white male who is kind of grieving about his loss of essentially of ascribed dominance over society. It's unearned dominance, the same way that a lot of neo-reactionary groups cry about the diversity, et cetera, et cetera, which is all just code for, you know, we were once at the top of things and we got to pretend like it was a meritocracy and now we're not. And now now it's like, it's all, like the social order is collapsing. But I think it's so it's so fascinating that like women can't be incels. I'm assuming trans people can't be incels either, uh, whether they be trans men or trans women, because that seems a little bit too progressive for the incel community. But in, in the aftermath <laughs> of all these conversations about um, sort of the, redistrib- the redistribution of sex, the redistribution of sort of um, intimacy, for lack of a better word, or I guess not, that is the problem. What that's some, I think that's a fairer definition: redistribution of intimacy. Um, like the burdens that women face within the dating world are never sort of considered by the incel or even like the, you know your prototypical reactionary male as being legitimate, right? You know. That, so, for example, like a woman or trans woman or trans man might be involuntarily celibate be out of a fear of, you know, male violence. It's simply not a it's not a reasonable or legitimate sort of mecha, like mechanism to get to incel them or out of like past trauma in a relationship. That's like that's not a reasonable sort of definition of incel. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the most interesting things, though, that I noticed pretty frequently is like a lot of incels. I mean, like obviously the most importance that they place is on having sex. They don't really care about like the emotional aspect of relationships. And I definitely don't want to be like stereotypical here, but I, I would assume that that's probably more important to women than just like pure like getting laid. Um, so, I mean, obviously, like if a woman wants to get laid, she's going to have an easier time of it because it's like less likely that that's only what she's looking for. At least I, I don't want to be problematic when I say that sort of thing, but that's, that's also kind of their mindset too, is they, they definitely make fun of people who uh, catch feelings, I guess. Like they uh, call it one-itis, which is where you just like get like, I guess what you would call monogamy, which again is odd because they criticize women for being, non-monogamous but they they make fun of people who have one-itis because um they're like hung up on one person instead of like having sex with as many people as possible i I think you're trying too hard to sort of like find coherence within this ideology when there is none (laughs) i I mean oh yeah and god bless you for it 
but like I, I, I think for the most part, this isn't, you know, this is like like most right wing reactionary ideologies, even if they're sort of malformed or they're they're issue based rather than like sort of a um a wide bucket of positions, right? I think they to call this like call inceldom, their entire political position is formulated around the fact that they can't get laid and they view that as a problem with the world versus the problem with themselves even if you know there is a certain amount of self-loathing there right but you know i think that it's a it's a very you know irrational and very you know emotional and experiential form of ideal you know ideological attachment, right? Like, I think this is all about their experiences in the world and how they feel about them. And they sort of come up with scientific explanations for why it's true or why it didn't used to be true or like, or what a future world where it wouldn't be true look like. But, you know, in reality, it's all kind of been this irrational neuroses. Yeah. And I think that's like their biggest beef though. Kind of what you were saying is like in a, in maybe like 50 years ago, it would have been a lot easier for them to just like go and have casual sex with whoever they wanted. Uh, And now they don't really have that opportunity, but they see like these women who they, again, like view as being like their looks match who are getting laid and like fooling around with guys that are out of their league. And I feel like they're jealous of women who have casual sex, kind of what it boils down to. It isn't even that they want intimacy, they want a relationship with someone. They just feel like they... I feel like a lot of it just has to do with like objectification. I mean, but like, do they really? So, so how do they know these women are having casual sex though? Because it seems to me like their problem is more with a shifting, you know, a Ross did that XS shifting culture that says women can have casual sex. Because like, as far as I know, I don't think that every every, every study that comes out every few months is that millennials are having less sex. Women aren't losing their virginities at earlier ages. I think it's like it's still around like what averages you know, around 21-ish, I think it's still pretty high, like higher than you would expect, right? Monogamy rates for young people are higher than you would expect if you live entirely online and people like debate polyamory every time they're like, five, like they're, you know, essentially we have to have a debate about polyamory every time someone's like 25-year-old girlfriend decides she wants to be polyamory or 25-year-old boyfriend decides they want to be polyamorous and like they're 35 <laughs> and they're like, I don't know about this guy. It's like, but I'm going to talk myself into it very publicly. Uh, so you all have to listen with me. It's like okay, okay, like or you could just say, say no. It's like I don't, like I don't need to hear about the politics of polyamory. You could just like tell your like ten year, you know, your ten year younger girlfriend or boyfriend no, or like do it silently in private, like most people do things. But like, but the data doesn't yeah. bear that to be true, right? I think it's mostly just. Uh, a FOMO thing, maybe you know, a fear of missing out, or just like projection, or again, irrationality, yeah. or really just a larger problem with what they consider to be a culture of promiscuity versus the reality of people being promis- promiscuous. So it's, I, I would say it's all of those things. I was watching, uh, I think Vice did like a six minute video on incels and they like interviewed like this one guy who like ran an incel chat room or something. And the interviewer was talking to him and he was like, well, you know, like ask any like 22 year old or 23 year old woman, um, how many guys she slept with and it's going to be in the hundreds. And the interviewer was like, I, I don't know anyone who has had hundreds of partners. And he he was like, well, you just need to like look around a little bit more and like ask ask questions like directly or something. And it's, I mean, I, I'm 22. I know the name of every guy I've ever kissed and it's definitely not in the hundreds. And so I, again, like obviously like the, the data does not add up to this, but it's like this 
they have all these like tropes in their head. One of the ones that I kept seeing come up was this one called, well, it's, it has an acronym. It's AFBB, which is alpha fucks, beta bucks. Basically the idea is that women spend their youth in their twenties fucking alpha males, uh, or they call it, God, what do they call it? Riding the cock carousel is what I'm they sorry. call it. These fucking dick pigs. No, I, it is pretty awful. <laughs> um, and then, they're, 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 like, they're clever. I'll give them that. <laughs> um, but, but I get them laughing at them, not like laughing with them. Yeah. Well, they, they also have another term for it too. They, they call it dating cads marrying dads i don't know this is like all really dumb or they they think that like these women will like busy themselves with like really hot guys that are out of their league um but in the alpha fucks beta bucks thing it it ends up with these women marrying a beta male who is an average looking guy who probably doesn't believe in pickup artistry and still gets laid even though he's not as attractive as chad's just like a normal looking guy um, so they'll find a beta male to settle down with once they reach their thirties, they'll have kids with him. They'll get a prenup or whatever, or not, they won't get a prenup anyway. Um, and then once the divorce comes along, they, by that point, like they haven't had sex in years. She's been like cheating on him. She wants a divorce so that she can go have sex again with Chad's. And like, this is like a, a, a th- the circle of life. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, this is, a, this is a trope that you see everywhere like there are a lot of people who think that this is just a thing that all women do that this but again i mean this is mostly anecdotal i don't have any like data on this but the the trope at least in my my mind has always been like you know like the rich old man will leave his wife for a younger woman that seems to be more common at least in like the relationships i've seen than like a woman like having sex with all of her ex-boyfriends and then divorcing her husband i don't know i mean so like at least from my experience right my experience as somebody who is incredibly attractive incredibly muscular is that like (laughs) so a while ago i heard this you know scientists did a study and like studies like this always make me raise my like eyebrow like okay but really is this true that said that like average looking people have more sex than like people who are incredibly attractive or people who are less attractive. And the reason they, they ascribe this to, or they attributed this to rather, to uh, um, intimid- the intimidation factor. Like if you're really attractive in one way or another, uh, most people will be too intimidated to reach out to you for, you know, for sex or for intimacy because, you know, this is probably prior to the, you know, the, the internet and people just like being able to send hundreds of messages and the casualization of that process to where you can take a little bit less personally. Um, like you just get more like people who are average looking just tend to get more sexual partners in life. And I didn't really believe that until I started like being online, doing the online dating thing. And like the number of people who like, at least women who would send me, uh, messages online that were just like, I was actually, or that would or at least going somewhere along the line, I was afraid to reach out to you because you're so in shape and so like funny, et cetera, that I thought that there's no way you would like me. And so like, it took me a month to get back to you or something. And assuming that like, they're not just, you know, shooting game at me. Uh, like, I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting sort of uh, 
wrench in that particular narrative that incels are trying to couldn't like sort of what's your word um to construct no i i would definitely agree and i mean i i highly doubt i would be very high on the incel totem pole since i am not blonde and i'm not a stacy um but very aryan very aryan standards yeah. for an ostensibly not nazi group well and that's the thing put that out there I, i'm jewish so i'm sure that probably uh, gives me another another strike against me but um that's the thing i mean like that's definitely never been my strategy i I tend to like swipe left on the people that are like most conventionally attractive. And I don't know if that's just like personal opinion or like my own. I feel like a lot of those people are just kind of boring or that I like wouldn't wouldn't have a whole lot in common with them, I guess, is maybe where I'm coming from. But um, I've also seen a study, though, kind of uh, what what you were saying that like, I feel like it's like people who are in relationships with partners who are less attractive than than them are happier because like there's less of a risk of cheating or something. I I don't remember what the, what the whole uh, result of that study was. Yeah. But that was something I definitely found interesting. Well, I mean, I joke or I joke about them having very Aryan Nazi as standards. And I don't mean to like to imply that incels are all Nazis. I guess I did imply that. Though. I guess I did mean to imply that. But one of the things I've noticed from groups <laughs> like this, whether they be men's rights activists, you know, incels, uh, you know, and any sort of like sort of weird, irrational. I don't know what you like. I, I guess the broad umbrella would call them like the reactionary right that isn't that isn't sort of coalesced into neo-fascism like like actual neo-nazis or neo-fascists it's like they're always like a fucking tinderbox for neo-fascists to come in and ignite with like whatever whatever you know with their traditional sort of um nazi neo-nazi talking points about why you know like why incels are having trouble getting laid like why um you know why gamers are having trouble getting sort of uh, with the accountability and gaming's journal, gaming journalism. Like, I'm like, okay, like, like, if you think gaming journalism is bad, dude, what you see in real journalism? Like, what, like, what you find out about the things going on in the Washington Post? Um, but like, then I think that's the part that's so, like so interesting about these groups. Like, they deserve more attention from people because I was one of those people who was like, Gamergate is fucking stupid. Why is everybody so interested in like what rating the new Tomb Raider got this week? That's irrelevant. I mean, this is childishness. But then you sort of look at the like the past five or six years and all the big movement leaders of Gamergate, the biggest sort of proselytes of that movement, have like become like at least prominent figures in the alt-right or reactionary right you know your dave rubens your whatever and i, I think that, that that lends itself to the yeah. idea that these these particular grievance-based that's, that's, that's a good thing grievance-based ideology like they just have a grievance with one or more groups or one or more situations in their life and they, they lack a sort of coherent ideological leaning to attach it to are so ripe for being indoctrinated into neo-fascism you know and maybe you don't get all of them maybe not all incels join like the nazi party but like maybe a tenth of them become amenable to it like 25 percent you know any sort of number is better like any number higher than zero is a problem right and i think that it really does speak to this because you see you see me so you see the uh you see the sort of footprints of it already right it's like they they i mean they believe that women are going off with more attractive alpha men and there's like there's just little hints there's little hints of you know 
hatred over civil the civil rights movement and over women's liberation and like this sort of longing for traditional values in society and like there's always this a little casual racism thrown in and then you, you can see how it could just be mobilized by a particularly savvy neo-nazi to become a little bit more than that the next step yeah and i that's one of the things that i i picked up on there are a lot of primarily like asian members on these sorts of forums who just like become indoctrinated by this whole like again a lot of it is very racist like phrenology type shit like or like scientific racism type things where like they will like prostrate themselves in front of like white members and be like i i'm just like a lowly like asian incel i'm at like the bottom like i don't even know it's like they they have like this bizarre like admiration like the hierarchical structure is very apparent anyway so that that's one thing that i always found a little scary about it is just how like willing some of these people are to just like take everything at face value and just like be humiliated by everyone else on the website i definitely feel like it's like like as you said a pretty prime ground for like someone to come in and radicalize them even further yeah I mean, so I think that that's really the case with a lot of these like online subcultures. Right? Like, there's always these weird hints of anti-Semitism and uh, racial animus that is, you know, essentially a pushback against this idea that there's no longer a naturalized underclass, you know, for white males to feel incredibly dominant over, which which is foundational to capitalism. So I guess it's 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 ironic or coincidental, whatever word you want to use, uh, probably improperly, like I just did. It's ironic or coincidental that as mm-hmm. capitalism is in its sort of late stages and failing, that these white males who have seen capitalism essentially fail them because they aren't rich. You know, their proximity to richness by nature of their proximity to whiteness is not sufficient to insulate them from like the realities of capitalism. And so they're, you know, there be they're longing for a world where they did have a naturalized underclass and some people are trying to use that sort of instinctual longing to further their own vicious neo-nazi goals but i guess you know to lighten the mood like i i've never actually used tinder i i mean i used it for roughly i think two months and then i stopped because i don't i don't i don't really like tinder it's i guess just not really um it, there's not enough information on it for me. I think that, you know, when you talk about the casualization of intimacy yeah. and how like, you know, dating has become a very sort of casual transactional experience for people, like Tinder is the apex of that for me. And I'm like, I just, I never really enjoyed it. Well, I actually have a, a thing I want to talk about from the incels before I get into like my... Yeah, go ahead. Shit. I don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about coherence. I'm not about that. Oh, no, no, Good no. movie though. Well, it has to coherence, do... Coherence, I mean. <laughs> It has to do with Tinder, though. They have this whole game that they call the, or it's a social experiment, rather, called the Morph Game, uh, where they create one Tinder account with photos of themselves and a second Tinder account with photos that they've used, like, Face, uh, what's what's the one? Facetune. Um, the one where it turns them into a woman, or the one where it makes them more attractive. The one that it makes more attractive. Okay. Like Photoshop, basically, where they edit their photos uh, to basically their like incel beauty standards, and so basically what they'll do is they'll like post their results, like they'll swipe on a hundred people on each account, and, like say how many matches they got, and then they'll act not surprised, but they'll, I mean it shouldn't be surprising because they'll come back and be like, wow, the hotter account got 
more likes than the than the one with the unedited photos like this is this just goes to show how like more attractive men are treated better in society which isn't really a scholarly thesis or anything like it, well, they they present it as if it's like this sort of like a uh, scientific study but again it's really just an app based on like how hot you are so of course like the hotter person is probably going to get more matches oh, I mean, it, you're using a okay so like app. as a social scientist as someone who taught like social science research methods to children i mean by children i mean 18 to 20 well 18 and up year old people who are in college i guess not children that's me being reductive but you know what i mean um it's like okay <laughs> question like but if you were given the choice between two people one of which was more attractive and one of which was i assume you know less attractive by which you want to use like and they had similar profiles would you not choose the more attractive person like what does that what does that like what does that prove it's like it doesn't really prove anything it's just like if like, it's just I, the same way if you had a choice between like somebody who was like people who were equally attractive and one person had i don't know a dog you might choose the person with the dog because you like i mean like it just like, you can't create that that's not that's not a good sort of um a good method for triggering something out well yeah i just i find it really interesting though because like of course they'll post this shit and be like wow like this just goes to show like how vapid and awful women are like this is proving our theory that all women uh care about is your looks and nothing else or whatever and it's like well again like your your method of obtaining this data is pretty biased first of all also they have like the exact same mindset like as you were saying like if they had to choose between like a more attractive person and a less attractive person of course they would go for the more attractive person like all they ever talk about is how how bad they want stacy's and how they won't text them back or whatever speaking of vapid and stupid this like whole conversation something you reminded me of uh when you were just speaking was that article and i want to say it was in the cut i think it was the cut um uh about like pretty pretty girl privilege was like i don't know what the article was actually called but like the premise was this chick was writing about like what it's like to be incredibly attractive and it was a pretty bad article right i mean up there like up there with um the article about uh the like the woman like the the 21 year olds who were surviving in new york on 25 dollars an hour plus like a five thousand dollar a month fucking subsidy from her parents like but like i think at its core the the question is worth examining right like what what does it mean to be to have attractive person privilege because it does exist right i mean i think that statistically you can say people who are more conventionally attractive and that plays out a lot of ways right i think that incels focus on really fucking stupid ways it plays out like how close together your eyes are or like how um you know how uh you know the color of your hair or stuff like that which i guess all probably factor into this equation but they're also you know how tall you are and how skinny you are and what your race is right and i think that when you look at the incel conversation or rather like the the politics of intimacy like i did the politics of desire i think is a more appropriate term like who, who our society's culture says is most worthy of being desired and what that means for their moral and social worth incels kind of reduce that conversation down to its dumbest points but there are actual implications for like that fact that like hey overall black people are thought to be less attractive than white people what does that mean for like them getting jobs you know what does that mean for like you know or even if you bring up the classist thing it's like short you know short people are deemed less attractive than tall people but you know height is kind of a function of 
nutrition. And so what does that mean for people who don't have enough food growing mm-hmm. up? And a lot of this gets boiled down to like that particular yeah. article or the incel thing. Like, oh, how big your tits is. But like, but like there are, there are real questions about, you know, <laughs> physiognomy is one term for it, but also just like bias towards attractive people and how our conception of attractiveness socially is racialized and, you know, gendered and, you know, um, a class, you know, classist and elitist. I mean, for that, people who go to Harvard are deemed probably more attractive than people who go to like a state school. I don't think that's, I don't think that's particularly, you know, uh, yeah, with the word problematic or controversial, controversial to think. So, I mean, like, like, so like this is a question people could be asking themselves. Right. But like, they're more focused on like why Belle didn't want Gaston and Beauty and a fucking beast. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, so it's interesting. They have a term for this. It's called looksism. Um, basically on par with like racism or sexism. Looksism is exactly biased against ugly people. Yeah. It's, it's basically the same thing. And it is, I, I guess maybe the final frontier uh, when it comes to incels, like that's the, the biggest hurdle that we have to face is uh, the challenges uh, given to ugly people. One of the things though, that you will notice on these sorts of forums is that like on incels.me, which is the one that they kind of migrated to after Reddit shut down all of their like new ones. Um, they'll post photos of themselves and ask for other users to rate them. And all of these men are overwhelmingly like average or attractive. And that's one of the strangest things about this is that like, but of course, like all the other members will tell them like, oh, the ratio of your uh, jaw to your uh, nose bridge is too small and you need to, I don't know, like get fillers or a chin implant or something. And so they, I don't know, I, I find that to be really fascinating though, because basically what this is, is like a mass hysteria of like body dysmorphia is kind of what I drew from all of this. Um and it's like a pretty extreme version of it too. They have this thing called looks maxing, which should not be uh, mistaken with looks matching, but looks maxing is basically like the entire premise of like, I don't know, like a self-help or like men's magazine type thing where it's, well, it's a little further than just like make sure to like find jeans that fit you well, or like, I don't know don't get your hair cut at sports clips anymore. Like try to dress and act like an adult and shower often. Their methods. Yeah, pretty much the 12 rules for life. Um, Their looks maxing strategies are um, break your face. uh, The skull fracture, Lafour skull fracture surgery, which is a surgery used for people that actually have like, I don't want to say facial deformities. I don't really know the entirety. Like, maxo facial something i don't know it's like some sort of it's, 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 it's an extreme surgery for people who like have actual need for it right let's put it that way yes or- yeah and so they're like always asking for each other asking each other like i'm in new york do you guys have a recommendation for a doctor who will perform this break my skull basically <laughs> so that i'll look more attractive then they also have um They'll tell people, like, if you're bald, you need to use Rogaine or you need to get hair plugs or you need to do micropigmentation, like microblading for hair, like your hairline, I guess. Um, They also recommend face liposuction, which I don't think is a thing outside of, like, chin maybe. But, like, I saw one person recommend that some other guy get 
cheek liposuction, which is not a procedure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can get like cheek fat removed, but it's not through like, I don't know. None of them are surgeons, but they all act like they are. Um, pinning your ears back is another one. The surgery where you break your legs to make yourself a few inches taller. Um, yeah. So like, this is, again, it's like this like mass, like delusional body dysmorphia that all these people have. And the only person that they ever ask or the only people that they ever ask, like, am I attractive? Are these other guys who are going to tell them no and are going to tell them everything that they think is wrong with them? Yeah. I mean, because they remind them of themselves. They all, they all the same, which I mean, that's what's like, it's it's sort of a tragic story. Right. Because I think that, you know, I don't want to pathologize everything and I don't, I don't like, I don't want to remotely diagnose everybody, but I think that they got, it's so easy to do that here though. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you're right. Right. It's very easy to remote diagnose like as having extreme body dysmorphia. But I think that a lot, a large part of that is environmental, right? A large part of their body dysmorphia is the fact that they exist in a, a self-reinforcing cycle and community that constantly tells them that's ugly and not worthy of love because they don't reach certain, you know, certain requirements. And I think that it's funny, you know, it's funny because they deny the fact that women can be um, attractive, right? I mean, that's definitely not true. That women can be incels, but it, it, it's, it's almost worth you know, drawing the parallel between incels, how incels perceive themselves in the, the world, you know, essentially how white male incels perceive themselves in, you know, the, the world and how like people who are not white males are treated by society generally due to, due to their race and size or like their gender as like not being worthy of love because they're not attractive enough. And like, it's, it's almost like they've sort of inflicted that upon themselves. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that I... I thought was like most similar to the incel community was I used to be on Tumblr and like when I was back in high school and there was a pretty like prominent, they were always like trying to stifle it, but it was like the pro Anna community or like the, the pro eating disorder community where again, it was like these people who were obviously already very thin. They all hated themselves and they were all just like critiquing one another, even though they were like dangerously underweight it's like that same sort of idea where it's like, again, like all these people see themselves and each other. And I, I don't know. I feel like the reason that people join incel websites or the reason that people would join like a pro Anna group is maybe because they want to find out how to like lose some weight. The people that reason or the reason that people might join like an incel group is because they, I don't know, they're lonely and they want to commiserate with people. But again, like when you get sucked into that sort of thing, it just like becomes like this like addicting like cycle of shame and humiliation. And then you become black pilled, which is their whole their whole thing where basically you just become like so nihilistic and that you don't really see the point of living anymore. And a lot of people end up killing themselves. I mean, or they end up killing going and killing sprees. Right. A la that dude. Yes. In, oh, the Canada. Canadian. Dude? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alec Manassian. Yeah, whatever his fucking name is. I don't. I don't necessarily care. Um, but but um, like yeah. Like, but I think that's. A, but that's like. But that's why our incel was shut down, right? You know, that's why our mm-hmm. incel. I mean, and also like if you look at the the motivations for a lot of mass shooters, there is this weird like. Well, not weird. There is a lot of that uh, hatred towards women and people of color mentality that is like common amongst the even white supremacist shooters where it's like they believe the the guy who the guy who attacked um for example the guy who came who came up from baltimore to to attack the who killed the homeless black man with the samurai sword the reason he did it was because he felt that black people were taking uh white women 
you know, like that, that, that sort of classic American mm-hmm. narrative about fear, uh, you know, fear of people of color coming to kidnap white women and white women just being sort of passive recipients of that sort of sexual advances. You know, um, you mentioned something that I wanted to touch on and I I'm sort of escaped me for a second, but I'm going to talk until I get it. Uh, yeah. No, I think that you're right, right? I think that I agree with you. And there's a, a you mentioned the pro Anna groups. And I was, it's funny because as I was sick this past week, I was watching a, a BBC documentary about people who use steroids. Um, because I, cause I was, cause like, if you watch enough like bodybuilding hmm. videos, they, they'll give it, hey, like, maybe you're interested in a steroid use video. I don't use steroids. I'm too poor for steroids. Not that I would use them anyway, but like that, like that's like, that's how I prove it. Listen, I can barely afford weed <laughs> sometimes. And if it's a choice between the fucking weed and steroids, you know what I'm choosing. <laughs> that's, not, that's not, that's not a choice at all. <laughs> um, but okay. But, um, and like, there is a version of anorexia or rather body dysmorphia that exists within the bodybuilding community called like bigorexia, where people who don't think they're swole enough and it was so weird like watching them interview people who were very obviously using steroids and denying it and then going like yeah, you know i just i just don't think my chest is big enough i don't know how i stand looking at myself in the mirror like you know four hours every morning and like like flexing to a point where my muscles hurt and i just i i just hate what i see it's like dude you need to calm down like but but you know rally it, it is just extreme body dysmorphia and i guess just to yeah. close out what you said i think that whenever you're talking about like any kind of online any kind of group really people search it out for like sociality because they feel lonely right you know and i think that sociality especially when it comes to stuff like this is incredibly dangerous mm-hmm. because you know you can go in search of people who you can relate to because you feel as though you can't relate to anybody in you know your sort of ge- geographical vicinity you know maybe because you have anxiety maybe because you you, know, you don't and you know sometimes it's because you're queer or because you're gay and you live in the south and you need that sort of online space and sometimes it's because you're a nazi and like you live in a good place and it's very dangerous rightfully so to say hey i'm a nazi any other nazis in my school uh and so, you know, you see, and sometimes it's just because like you're lonely yeah. and you want people to be friends with and you can sort of like find yourself tumbling down the rabbit hole and red pilling yourself, I think is the, the term, uh, by associ- by attaching yourself to groups who, you know, they're like, they let you in, they're your friend. All they do is demand that you basically parrot their talking points and eventually they indoctrinate you without realizing it. Until until you can't can't exist in, you know, with the normies. And I think that's one of the things that I find to be like most sympathetic about a lot of these people is I don't think, I mean, I don't want to give them like the benefit of the doubt or anything or say that they're like particularly like sympathetic figures in any way. But I mean, like I have definitely struggled with like body dysmorphia in the past. Like I have gone in for like consults about like I need to get like, I thought about getting like a brow lift or like getting my nose done. And those are like problems that I definitely don't have, but I, you can like look at yourself in the mirror and like pick yourself apart and find a billion things wrong with you. And when you find a community that's willing to do that with you and tell you how awful you are, but also it's not just your fault. It's also women's fault. And, uh, there are like all these outside reasons for your suffering. It's pretty, uh, 
uh, appealing, I would say. And I can, I can see how it would be easy to get like wrapped into that sort of thing if you're already very vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's sort of the economic anxiety argument. And it's one that I think has been misrepresented by some people when it comes to like Nazis, where it's like, okay, yeah, we do live in a world where people are increasingly vulnerable to a lot of fringe ideas. There's a reason why, you know, cults are making a comeback and conspiracy theory groups are, are thriving. And, you know, the DSA is, get, is getting more membership in you know, Nazi groups are getting more membership and, and all of these sort of fringe ideologies and groups are getting, you know, once fringe rather, whether fringe because like they're bad or fringe because they were actively buried by, you know, more prominent groups are getting more membership and more attention. It's because like traditional narratives of our society that are constructed by, I, don't, I hate using the term mainstream media, but like just, the, you know, the media we're fed don't really resonate with the people the way they maybe they used to or, you know, they're no longer enough to distract people from their material suffering. And so I can say, you know, I think people are being suckered into joining reactionary groups because of their vulnerability. But, you know, I, I think that you make the point, like, but not everyone becomes a Nazi. And so it's not real or becomes a, a, an incel or becomes yeah. like, you know, a member of the fucking alt-right, you know, some people just become flat earthers or they join the DSA or they join the PSL or they take up line dancing. You know, they do, they do something that's not destructive with that vulnerability. <laughs> and you can, you know, of course you can't rule out the fact that there are a lot of grifters online, you know, people who are like, who are, who pray, who prey on the suffering as it exists out there. But that doesn't, you know, like you said, it doesn't absolve anyone of their own sort of responsibility. I hate to sound like Ron Paul, but personal responsibility for like choosing at, at least at, of some level to become vocal in these subgroups. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, and I, well, I don't know. I, unfortunately, some of the most like vocal uh, people in the insult community are Elliot Roger and um, Alec Manassian, who I, it's really difficult to tell a lot of the time if these people are sort of admiring them like tongue in cheek or if it's not ironic at all. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, pretty scary. <laughs> I mean, there's a thin line between like irony and earnest and being earnest about something. And I think that's what's the thing that people don't really want to admit where yeah. it's like I and I, I and this is not to make fun of anybody who's like, oh, because I know irony bros get like a unfair rap online. And, I, and I, I do the irony sometimes, but like consistently doing I being ironically X or Y, you know, consistently being ironically a fascist or ironically, like consistently ironically praising like a mass shooter as like the pinnacle of your community. Like eventually the lines get blurred, right? Mm -hmm. You know, A, the lines get blurred because the people outside that group, rightfully so, don't care enough to determine if you're being ironic or not. I think that they, I think that yeah. there is this sort of like they're like okay well if you were just here in in my shoes and in my community you would understand that this is ironic and it's just how we sort of express um, affection for one another and I, I can like and I can be amenable to that argument like, you know I can understand like, hey on 4chan people use the n word to describe each other and it's not meant as a slur it's meant you know and although it's developed that but you know it's it's meant to, it's just meant tongue in cheek but. If you're on the outside, you can't be expected to know that or even care. You should you shouldn't be expected to care about that either. Yeah. Um, and also I, I tell a story all the time, it's like I, I'm very wary of being too ironic because what because that's how I ended up being the world's biggest fan of the rapper Riff Raff. Oh, speaking of trashy. No, <laughs> I, I swear to God. And like I, I think that Riff Raff is probably one of the best rappers out there right now. 
And I don't re- hey. and I believe that earnestly. Uh, I think he's better than Drake. I think he's better than probably Pusha T. I think he's better than like m- most rappers out there who are, are more prominent than he is. And I remember starting to listen to Riff Raff ironically in like college and going, ha ha, isn't this funny? Like, you know, this this white rapper from MTV, ha ha ha. And then one day I found myself looking at Riff Raff tickets for a concert. And, and and following him on and following himself on Instagram, <laughs> and you know, and being really excited when he liked one of my tweets on Twitter, and then he followed me on Twitter, and I remember like, and I, and in looking back at it, I can't pinpoint the moment which I changed, and that's a very sort of frightening thing as a person. No, like, it's, it's a frightening <laughs> thing. I think that everyone thinks they're smarter than they are. It's like I think that like that's like that's the trick, and we talked about it on yeah. on Twitter about like polyamory and getting sucked into shit but like everyone thinks they're smarter than they are and that they can't be fooled and that's how you end up fooling people and like and then they look back on things and they can't tell you at what point they started to believe something but that at some point you know maybe it was over a year maybe it was over a few months maybe it was over a few minutes like they were tricked into it and like i and my example is like riffraff i think yeah. I, oh god i'm gonna put riffraff in this bitch too i love riffraff <laughs> listen to every one of his new albums that come out he puts out an album every 10 minutes it's just crazy he lives in the studio sorry my dog is sniffing the microphone that's okay people love people love dogs <laughs> i don't know if you can hear people love dogs it's fine okay well she'll probably she'll probably start howling it's fine. In a minute. like i said people love dogs people love howling i think that you know if i learned anything from twilight <laughs> it's that girls are evenly split between vampires and dogs so hopefully i'll give me it you know i was I was thinking about Twilight recently. Someone made a tweet about it. And I don't know if I ever really thought about this as much when I was a kid. I, I didn't really even like read the books, but I was thinking about how fucked up it is for like a 17-year-old to change her entire life for someone that she just met who's also like a hundred years older than she is. Like the fact that she just became immortal for someone that she didn't know and decided to like join the vampire world. I don't know. I find I think that that's pretty fucked up and she should have reconsidered. But uh it's too late for that now. I mean I have two thoughts about Twilight. Um the first is like I guess one is good and one is bad. The first is that like Twilight I I've only seen the first and second movies. And I saw the second movie first because my friends wanted to get drunk and see it and so that I had to drive them to and from the theater uh sober. So I saw New Moon, and then like then years later, I watched the first one because I was just like in bed. And I was like, oh fuck, it, I'm doing that. I watch the movie, and I will say people talk a lot of shit about Twilight, but it's far from the worst movie I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, far from it. Like, and there are a lot of problematic sort of sexual political elements of it. You know, like as you mentioned, that I'm going to address in my second part. But it, as, a, as a movie, it's certainly not the worst thing I've ever seen. It knows who its audience is. It panders to that audience. I wouldn't call it a perfect movie in the same way I would call it like Die Hard or the Predator a person, perfect mu- a movie. I guess the Predator is a perfect movie, but not, not the Predators. The, I hate these uh-huh. movies. But, um, like, or, you know, how, how, like, but, like, it knows its audience. It panders to the audience. It doesn't, it doesn't treat its audience like it's stupid, which is, you know, surprising c- considering, like, future movies. Uh, it's a very earnest. It's very, like, sort of whatever. The bad of it is, I mean, the bad part of it is that, like, it, it's not that much different from, like, the sexual or relationship politics of any romantic comedy movie. You know, like ostensibly like all of our romantic comedies in America like are kind of rapey you know if, if not if not rapey like incredibly misogynistic uh and it, 
Yeah, I was actually just thinking about this the other day. I remember that one of the very first like adult-ish movies that I watched, I was like four years old and I saw Grease and my mom was like horrified because of course like the message of that movie is like, if you want to get the guy, you have to change your personality and your entire wardrobe. I mean, yeah, I actually just recently watched um, Blade Runner. And I was surprised by the fact that there was like a rape scene in it that no one ever mentions. Like when they talk about Blade Runner. And like, I was like, whoa, like I've, I've, people have been telling me to watch Blade Runner for years. And not at one point did someone go, oh, at a certain point, uh, shit, it's Bruce Willis, right? No. Shit. Oh, no, know. it's Harrison I've Ford. Wow. <laughs> at a certain point, like Harrison Ford just fucking straight up rapes the replicant chick. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like this is happening now. And I was like, I'm just, like, it wasn't like, I don't know what you call it tastefully done like what is a tastefully done rape scene but like it's it was not irreversible level but it like it's like this is surprising for a movie that people seem to like but i don't ever hear it addressed when they talk about what they like or don't like about the movie it just kind of flies under people's radar it's, i mean it's just surprising yeah. but i will say like in, no, I see my whole bad part about twilight is that like you know most movies in america are like it's funny that people pinpoint like pornography as problematic to me it's like a problematic media but i'm like but you know, ultimately, our romantic comedies, I would argue, are way more problematic than like pornography. Because I, I don't think that people treat people who like like porn as though they're stupid. Like, oh, it's gonna destroy children's minds. It's like, well, I don't think children are dumb enough to think that porn is real. I think that children might be dumb enough to think that, like, yeah, uh, you know, Star Wars or you know any number of problematic male actors or female archetypes in movies are worth idolizing. Like no one is like. This, this fear of like the little girl who idolizes the porn star is just like the petty bigotry of low expectations when it comes to women versus like go ahead yeah i well i have some thoughts on this i i i've not really spoke i mean i have spoken out about this a little bit but i would try to like hold my tongue sometimes just because i've seen the way that it's been received when other people have said things about it i'm definitely a little wary of like porn use in particular I, I watch porn, but at the same time, like I, I can definitely, I, I guess, like understand like the more problematic aspects of it, and especially when it comes to uh, objectifying people, especially if porn is like your only, if you're not like actively like having sex with anyone else at that time, and you're just watching porn, I, I think that it's a really it can kind of send you down a dangerous rabbit hole. Not, I, I don't want to compare it to like the plight of like incels, but I, I think that there is, I mean, like there have been studies and stuff on younger kids who have never been sexually active, who have only just watched porn. Like I feel like researchers have like asked them questions about like, what do you think that like women, I feel like this is like a, a question for like a teenage boy or something. Like, what do you think that women would want? And then they just like talk about shit that they saw in a porno. And it's, pretty i don't know maybe maybe our sex ed is just not good enough to like compensate but it's i i, I do think that there's a conversation to be had around that topic i don't, I don't disagree and I don't, I don't want to dwell too long on this topic but i think that ultimately speaking the larger impetus is like you're right our sex ed is simply not good enough to compensate because like at a certain point like if if for me that speaks to the fact that like, hey, hey if children are getting the, their dominant understanding of sex and relationships from pornography which i don't necessarily think that they are i would say they're probably getting them from like their parents or their close family or like their preferred or like their preferred media you know besides outside of porn but like if they are that speaks to a failure of so many other theoretically more responsible spheres of life to actively educate them yeah that like it's it's i don't know it's like it's 
like there's a reason why we have education other for there's a reason why we have education as it pertains to other aspects of life or rather we, uh, we should because our you know generally our health that is not very good in general in this country but um etc yeah so i mean i think that was productive i learned a lot about incels you know a little bit about love a lot about life so is it so why don't we close <laughs> out and you tell people where they can keep up with your work and I'll put a little music at the end. You can get people in the mood. Yeah, for sure. Well, the best place to keep up with me is twitter.com. I am on there 24-7. And my... How sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really awful. <laughs> it's probably why my brain is so broken and why I'm so amenable to reading about incels all day. Um, but my handle is at coincelpro with zeros instead of O's since I was banned for cursing out a Nazi. Um, and yeah, that's definitely where you will be able to find me. That well, sounds great. Actually, it sounds terrible. Um, yeah, but you remember it so I don't have to. Hey, people, baby, how you doing? Uh, uh-huh. nostalgia you know, hey, a lot of folks my brother out there. Hey, bro. Thank you again. Should happen and I deserve it. Dwelling on the past and I'm in the lab working. Never spoke to God in the hood, there's bad service. But I guess I got bars, cause he's sending them for certain. Swanky said, got critics questioning what lane he in. I just turn crowds into stadiums. Pounds I'll be blazing up. Haze when I listen to waves on the road. Search for stones like Jackie and Jay. Hey, shit fly unless I rock it. High like drop kicks and cockpits. Red eye fly shit, holding chopsticks. Split cheese with monsters, switching keys and botches. They pick a decent sponsor, but Bet I'll still watch ya Yo dimes I got them Slow ride do got them Living and drinking black like I'm gothic I be in the last bit of topics Mixing toxics Till the profits pockets profit Or till I get boxed T-shirt from Polo The rebirth the YOLO If I'm trying to find a photo All I gotta do is yodel Steaming on the low Got me dreaming like a mogul The humidity is killing me I call that the ozone Capital swank Finally had it cash up in the bank So the snakes wanna ask me if I'm great We laughing in your face Cause rap was a mistake When the entrees came They almost had me This with a fly feel You be dead if you lie still It's all about what you choose to do Buy still Her niggas like Grim Reapers They soul takers Black hoodie bone breakers Put you to sleep Then you won't wake up I mean you could go from weight rooms To waiting rooms We on the curl up And that piece of your chest So make it move No April fools I just say the truth Gonna be a vacant tomb If you break the how about style or performance? Oh, style is, is, is cool, man. You know, and I mean, it's got to be sharp. My gift is my curse if I lift and I burst. But fuck arms, I do enough harm when I'm kicking the verse. I heard niggas went missing with the dirt is when the surface. What you mean I ain't earnest? They ask for my service. Emotions in this flow, quarter wave, not heat surfing. But notice these demons and serpents be lurking. It's urgent. Still a rebel, fuck school, burn shit. Don't ask him to put up his pants that irks him. You asked me that before, man. I told you. Till I die of an overdose of the dopeness, I'm floating higher. Flying above the coast and just scoping and getting wiser. I'm a product of this box we call pop culture. Create a pop filter, bringing our collapse closer. Batman in the scrap. Scam, they gasp over, spit facts over these tracks, deep in shacks, vote dimes dope. Stay on my grind, cause I know the time's slow, puffing that lot smoke, but time don't. Wait, you causing quakes when you move in place, illuminate, eliminate, got me thinking that it's the same. Won't let a flow like mine ever slip through the drain, cause I'm fit for the game, watch me shift through the planes. The rap monster bosses popping off, if cops involved, shock the ball, dropping draws, now they chop resolve. Eating lobster sauce, stopping dog, I'm above the law, let them all, weapons drawn. I can the get closer 
As else turn the clips, clips turn the roaches, and those turn the bow hits. Oh shit, looks like we getting high again. That's another gram of fires back to my diaphragm. I blaze the Dutch, then I play the cut. You be on the wall, posted up, trying to make the cup. Poopies on my arm just to prove that we swank enough. Let me see you take a puff while I break it up. Fine, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thanks. Look here, man. You know, yeah. I sure appreciate you calling me on this thing, because I don't be doing too many interviews. Thanks. Well, fine. We appreciate your time, and uh, yeah. thank you once again. Hey, look here. You know uh, what I mean? My people, Jack, you know, we is becoming vocal in the world today. Enjoy the auto show. We'll talk to you again. Oh, it's very hip. Hey, look here, man. Look.